services. And I want it to be a challenge to us where we can share in a cafe-type service where I'll share the word and then we would love your feedback. It might be questions you have that you'd like to ask about what I've said. You might like to have comments about what you've heard. There might be some thoughts that have come through that have just be triggered in your, in your heart. You might like to make some comment on that. And so we're here tonight and the, the topic that I wanted to share was carpe diem, which means seize the day. And I was thinking about this topic of seize the day in a church where we are going through a significant transformation. Isn't it fun? Don't you love change? And I believe that one of the things that we are going to experience is that we stand on the cusp of an opportunity that we could not even imagine possible. And I think it's fantastic to see what God wants to do. And we folks are here to be a part of that. Seize the day. An exhortation to live life to the full. I wonder if we surveyed 100 people, how many would say, I want to live life to the full? I've asked people many times about that, and nobody has ever said to me, Pastor Lionel, I'm setting out to be mediocre. I'm wanting to make the best of my life. I want to live my life to the full. And yet, unfortunately, many times we get so caught up in the details of life, we simply don't have time to seize the day. I think if we sat down and talked to you tonight, we've got deadlines, we have commitments, we have problems, we have priorities, we have things we have to do which work against us seizing the day. In this day and age where we have all the mod cons we could ever imagine, I don't see people less busy. We just seem to be busier than ever. Well, the Apostle Paul, I believe, he lived seizing the day to the full. I'm going to be sharing from Philippians 3, 7 through 16. In fact, I was just thinking as I was going through this message that I love the book of Philippians. It's just a wonderful book. You know, it'd be great if we just took the time to read Philippians, if we read it every day for a month, just to say, what is Paul saying? It's just such a positive book. You know, it's only four chapters. You could almost take it and leave a Bible in your toilet and you could read four chapters while you're there. <laughs> you know, just let's get into the Word because Paul has got... What he's saying here is so, 
special for us today. And in a sense, he's saying, if you want to seize the day, read Philippians 3, 7 through 16, and hear three things that Paul is saying to us tonight. The first thing he's saying to us tonight is this, find your purpose. Find your purpose. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. Paul said this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. I, I think one of the things as Christians we say, Lord, we want us to be like Jesus and we want all the good stuff. I don't want any of the tough stuff. I don't really want to know about sharing in his sufferings. I don't want to know about becoming like him in death. But Paul says, if I, as an individual, want to be like Jesus, that I want everything he has to offer me. What's your purpose? I read one time that a good example of seizing the day is the IRS. They sounded like the American Tax Department. And in the 1976 handbook, I read this. During a state of national emergency resulting from an enemy attack, the essential functions of the service will be as follows. Assessing, collecting and recording taxes. So while everyone panics, they'll be about doing what they always do, take your money. They've got a purpose and they know what their purpose is. And if I were to ask you tonight, what's your primary purpose in life? I wonder what it would be. You might say something to me like, I'd like to be a good mother. I'd like to be a good father. I'd like to be a good preacher. I'd like to be a good Sunday school teacher. I'd say that's absolutely fantastic. But what's your primary purpose? What are you really here for? The question, what is your primary purpose? Glenn, can you pass me that, please? And I've got a, a question, something I want to show you tonight, and the other one too. And I did some counselling with a, a person many years ago, and they gave me this little box. Can you read what's on it? No, you can't. It says Christian Dior. What are, I thought they made smelly stuff. But they gave me this box, and it's Christian Dior. And anyway, I opened it, and in it, the first thing I saw was a, a lifetime guarantee. So if anything ever goes wrong, I can return it to Christian Dior and they will replace it. What is it? It is a gold fountain pen. Anything that goes wrong with this fountain pen, I can replace. A lifetime guarantee. The primary purpose of a fountain pen is to write. And I was thinking about this this afternoon. This fountain pen has gone through 20 years of depression because it has never come out of this box. 
it hasn't fulfilled its primary purpose. It's there to write with. It is a really, really good pen. I should use it sometime. You know what I'm saying? I wonder how many of you here tonight, you're not quite sure what your primary purpose is, but I wonder would you really seek to find your primary purpose and become the person God wants you to be? Don't hide it away. Let it be used. But I was just thinking, again, if... Say the, the IRS gave me a big, or a tax department gave me a big uh, cheque for the end of the year, and then I had to sign the bit of paper, a 20-cent big borrower would do just as well. They both got a primary purpose, and that's to be as a pen. And so I wonder, as we think about our primary purpose, what is it? You can have a look at that pen, but don't let it take up residence with you. <laughs> Paul wrote, and I'd read before, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his suffering, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to know him. If I'm going to know him, it means I'm going to want to spend time with him. And I have to spend a lot of time just in his presence, thinking about him and being encouraged by him. A man by the name of Orison Marden said, There's no grander sight in the world than that of a person fired with a great purpose, dominated by one unwavering aim, and that is to be like Jesus. Folk, if we individually and as a church could say the thing that is going to drive us individually and corporately, is to be like Jesus. We have no idea what God could do in us and through us. But, oh, God, give me that desire to be like Jesus. But Paul in Philippians is saying, okay, that's your primary aim. But he said, I also want to help you as you develop the ability to seize the day to do this next thing. In Philippians 3, verse 13, he says, forget the past. Forget the past. What did he say there? This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. There are two elements of the past we need to understand here. The first one is this, forget the bad. 
And when I was preparing this message, I was thinking about Paul. Do you think Paul had a past that he regretted? I am absolutely convinced that there was stuff in Paul's life that he said, if only I could change that, I'd be transformed. He'd caused a lot of pain. He had done much damage to the cause of Christ. Now he was faced with a choice. He could either dwell on his mistakes or he could say, I can give them to God and allow God to deal with my past and enable me to become the person God wants me to be and I will go serve him. One of the things that I often say to people that we get within the, <coughs> the church family and there are many times we find people who are burdened and weighed down with stuff from their past because it has not yet been put on the altar and left there. <coughs> I think sometimes we hang on to it. But Paul realised that if he was going to become the man that God wanted him to be, he needed to deal with the past and leave it where it belonged in the hands of God. Put it behind. Maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe there's stuff that you look back over your life with regret. They're the things you need to give to God and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this and now you transform me and make me the person I want to be and I will serve you and that stuff is dealt with. Me, folks, that is one of the biggest challenges as Christians we have today. Leave the garbage where it belongs. Maybe memories keep coming back. But as I talk about the past, remember this. <coughs> Your past cannot hurt you anymore unless you let it. And as a Christian serving God today, my primary purpose is to be like Jesus and under God I will not allow my past to limit what God wants to do in me in the present. Any people here play rugby union or follow rugby union? The game they play in heaven? Well, that's good. Some years ago, David Campisi was thrown a pass in the in-goal area. He dropped the ball. And a try was scored against the Wallabies. During the halftime break, Campisi was a broken man. But he was told, you can't change what you did, but you got a second half to make a difference. And apparently in that game, Campisi came out and he played the house down. I haven't got a, cure, a, a clue what the result was. I remember Campisi did a dumb thing. But he played the house down. 
At Camp Easy realised that he couldn't change what had been, but there was a second half to make a difference. And, and you might even come here tonight and, and realise that there are some things in your life that have caused you heartache and pain that even today are still causing you to struggle. Can I just say to you tonight, the second half starts tonight. Let's make a difference. Let's make a choice of saying, God, I'm going to forget the past and I'm going to become the person you want me to be and I will not allow the garbage of what has been affect who I am right now. And that's relevant for every one of us today. In forgetting the past, we must also forget the good. Now, we don't talk about this much, but I tell you, I wonder how many people are living back in the good old days. Glenn and myself, we took our grandson up to old Petrie Town the other day, and uh, Monty, who is 11, he came home after being there and he said, Granddad, I don't think I want to ever live in the good old days. <laughs> but you know, many churches, we have this temptation, or people can have this temptation as well. You can look back to a special time in your life where you think, wow, that was great. Thinking about the transition we are going through, and no doubt there'll be people who say, remember when Axis kicked off here and was a small group and then it grew and, oh, the ministry of Pastor Troy was absolutely brilliant. And then Pastor Troy moved on and Pastor Joel came and that was just a tremendous ministry of just teaching and growing. Those days are gone. We have got a new opportunity to see now what God can do. And we need to trust God to go before us. I wrote down here, you might have heard about the old Bruce Springsteen song, Glory Days, about the guy who couldn't think about having all the fun he had back in high school. He says, time slips away and leaves you with nothing but those good old stories of the glory days. They're gone. But put the good behind us as well. Paul knew that even having a good past was no guarantee of a good future. But it needed to be finding your primary purpose and then becoming the people God wants you to be. Paul said, Philippians 3, 4, talking about his past. He said, if anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He says, I'm the Jewest of them all. I've really got it all together. But then he said, verses 7 and 8, Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, 
I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It doesn't matter how good I've been or, or how spiritual about my upbringing. Paul says, that doesn't count, but what counts is what I do with God right now in my life. And you know, folks, that's the challenge for every one of us. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what's happened. Right now, that's all past. And Lord, I come into your presence and together, God, we become the people you want us to be. Oh, thank you, Lord. Paul is saying, I'm not living the past. My reason for living is what? To be like Jesus. Wow. But he also said, if I'm going to be the person God wants me to be today, verse 13, he says, live in the present. Live in the present. It's not what happened back there, it's not what happened there, but it's right now. He said, verse 13, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm straining toward what lies ahead. Oh, Lord, as an individual, you know, as, as a Christian, are you really straining to become the person God really wants you to be? Or I wonder sometimes if we've been a, a Christian for a long period of time. I, I wonder sometimes if we're going through the motions. When God wants us to be alive and, and reinvigorated and, and just something in us becoming new every day. Yes, Lord, I want that. Don't let me become cold. Don't let me coast. But help me become the person today, God, you want me to be. I wrote down here, it's easy to live in the past. It's easy to dream away the future. The biggest challenge is to face the present. We can no longer allow the luxury of allowing ourselves to say, one day I will do something about. One day I'll do something about my commitment to God. One day I'll do something about dealing with my anger or my temper. One day, folk... It's not a matter of one day I will, but today is about saying, God, today I'm going to change because I want to be the person you want me to be. It's going to start by me becoming like Jesus and then allowing God to transform my life. One of the passages of scripture that really helped me in this was John 11. And I love John 11. We know the story. It's the story of uh, Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus. You know the story. You mightn't know the story. Lazarus, close friend of Jesus, is dead. He's been dead four days. And they send, Mary and Martha send a message to Jesus and said, Lazarus is dead, will you come? And four days later, Jesus arrives. He meets Mary and Martha and they both make an interesting statement. They said, if only 
you'd been here, Lazarus need not have died. If only. Mary said that. Then Martha saw Jesus. If only you had been here, Lazarus need not have died. I wonder how many if-onlys we might have that we are using to make excuses for what we have not done or are not, or are not doing what we should be doing. Classic statement of people who don't want to face their present. I've often said if, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know, how prone we are to making excuses how easy it is. I don't want to do it. But it's interesting, as we, as we read that story, and Martha says to Jesus, if only you had been here, Lazarus need not have died. She knew that Jesus could have touched Lazarus and would have been kept alive or brought back to life. And Jesus said, if you read John 11, Jesus said, oh, but Martha, Lazarus will live. And Martha said, yes, I know in the resurrection, Lazarus will come back to life. Yes, one day he will. But then Jesus looked at Mary, uh, Martha, and said, Martha, what do you believe I can do for Lazarus today? Oh, oh hang on. You see, see, Martha, she believed that Jesus could have made a difference. She believed that one day, he will make a difference. But Jesus said, Martha, Martha, what do you believe can happen to Lazarus right now? Martha says, I trust you, Lord. You, know, you might be sitting here tonight and you're thinking, oh, Lord, if only you'd touch me there, I'd be different. Lord, one day down here you're going to touch me and I'm going to be transformed. But Jesus would look at you tonight and say, what do you believe I can do in your life right now? Jesus would look at you and say, if that thing that is really weighing heavily on you, maybe some of that stuff in the past, good or bad, if that is controlling you, what do you believe I can do with that stuff right now? Do you really believe me enough to know that if you brought that stuff and put it on the altar before me, that I can change it? I think sometimes putting our faith into practice is the biggest challenge of all. Having the ability to trust God with my life right here and now is the hardest thing I can ever do. You know, Lord, that thing that weighs me down and you're asking me to give it to you tonight? Absolutely. 
You know something? It takes guts to have faith like that. We can all live in, it could have, or it possibly will, but what do we believe God can do right now in our lives today? Folk, putting stuff in our life, if we're going to be like Jesus, putting stuff in our life on the altar before God is going to enable us to be like Jesus. And I wonder sometimes how much do we really trust our Lord? How much do we really trust him? Putting faith in Christ today means, Lord, I'm going to take my hands off and trust you. That's a risk, isn't it? Lord, I'm, I'm just going to trust you, simply trust you. Pretty tough going. I think sometimes, and I'm just going to say this to us tonight, I think one of the things is that we get so many perceptions in our mind, true or untrue, but so often the perceptions we build become our truth. And I think sometimes we hear the lie of the devil that leaves us absolutely convinced that we cannot achieve this stuff. But God says, hang on, if you trust me, you will see what I can do in your life. How much are you willing to trust me? Come on, hand over to me. See what I can do. And we cannot afford to allow perceptions of any sort control our life. I didn't know whether I was going to put this story in here or not, but I did. And I love this story, but if, if it's not relevant, well, forget about it and remember the message. <laughs> but talking about seizing the day, a young soldier and his commanding officer got onto a train. And there was only two seats left on the train. And they sat down on the train. And then directly opposite them on the seats was obviously a, maybe a grandmother and her 20-year-old daughter. And they began to chat a little bit. And I don't know what, it was, what caused it, but it became obvious that that the young soldier liked what he saw opposite him and it was sort of being reciprocated. But at about this point in the journey, the train went into a tunnel and it was black. I said it was even blacker than the inside of a black pole cow at midnight. It was black. And as the train is going through this tunnel, there are two sounds that are heard. One is a... <laughs> and the other is a... <laughs> but anyway, that's the two sounds. And as they're going through the tunnel, the grandmother thought the cheek of that young guy 
kissing my granddaughter, but I'm glad she slapped him. The young girl thought, I'm glad he kissed me, but I wish grandma hadn't slapped him. <laughs> the commanding officer thought, I admire his spunk in kissing a pretty girl, but I wish she hadn't missed him and hit me. <laughs> and as the train came out of the tunnel, the young soldier was there with a, with a grin on his face because he'd just kissed a pretty girl and slapped his commanding officer at the same time. <laughs> Perception. And you talk to each of those people and they absolutely believe they had the truth. Am I right? And I think sometimes we may get perceptions about this or perceptions about that that are our truth. But if we're going to find the truth of God, folk, we need to get back into the Word and find what God's saying to us. We need to get back into the Word and find what God's saying about his love for us. Trusting him. You know, we, we cannot afford not to seize the day. We cannot afford to be bogged down with all the stuff that weighs so heavily upon our shoulders. God does not want us to waste our lives away. He wants you and he wants me to become the people that he knows we can become. You know, I don't, I don't think we realise what God can do with us if we'll trust him. Pretty hard to trust him at times, isn't it? But I tell you what, when we learn to trust him, we find he's trustworthy. And God will not send you anywhere, take you any place, unless he goes before you. Lord, tonight, help me to trust you more. I wonder as we, we think about seizing the day, I wonder what your dreams for your own life are. I wonder, is your relationship with God just simply burning in you? And you're thinking, wow, Lord, it's just so good to be yours, to be like Jesus. You know, we sing, they used to sing our chorus, isn't it? To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is be like him. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? But I tell you, we have to be focused on becoming like Jesus. It's daily becoming like him. I remember hearing one time about an old preacher uh, in a Bible college and he was, he was asked by his students and they said he was in his 80s and still lecturing and they said to him, Sir, why do you still read the Bible and pray every day? And he said, you know, because I live in a sin-sick world and there's so much evil around me, I'm like a slow leak in a tyre. If I don't keep filling it up, I go flat. Folk, every one of us needs to have our spirit challenged. If we can go away from here saying, Lord, tonight I want nothing else but to be like Jesus, then folk, it's been worthwhile being here. 
And that's the challenge you want to bring to you tonight. To be like Jesus. Forget the past, good and bad. Live in the present and say, God, I'm going to trust you tonight. That's the challenge, isn't it? That's what I wanted to share with you. And so I wonder tonight, as we're here, does anybody want to ask, make any comment or, you know, about what, what have you heard tonight? This is where it's good for you to have an opportunity to say, well, okay. You know the fun thing about tonight? Right down here is Steve. Met Steve tonight. First time Steve's ever come to church. And about, about a month ago, wasn't it Steve? And Steve just said that there's something that's happening in himself. You know, God loves this man. And, and we just want to pray for Steve. And Steve, when I talked to him before, he said, oh, I've got lots of questions. I'll get to talking to my wife. She's got all the answers. You know. but, <laughs> but, you, but, but again, but there's a hunger, isn't it? When God is doing something, hey, we can get excited about it. Okay? So as you've listened to what I've shared, any thoughts that you'd like to maybe just say to the, the cafe church, this is what God's saying to me tonight. Not normally this quiet. Come on, Steve, what would you like to say? Um, how do you read the Bible? Do you just pick a Bible? No, we'll, to- we'll talk about that. I was, I was just... I was just thinking, as I, you know, I love the Old Testament, but if you started generations, you run out of revolutions by the time you get to the end. You know, you need someone to help you to show where to start. And we can talk about that. But I, I love the Old Testament because there's so many beautiful truths in there. I love Philippians. For, a, for yourself, I'd say, I want you to start in the book of Mark. You know why I like the book of Mark? Come on, who tell me, why do you like the book of Mark? What's that? Lots of actions. Lots of Everything done in a hurry. <laughs> hey, everything's done in a hurry. You read about it in a hurry. Because the, um, the book of Mark was written because people have had no idea, the Romans who had no idea of the, the history of the scripture, the Old Testament. And they wanted to get all the information and they couldn't get enough. Mark's a good place to start and we can talk about that more yet. But I love Philippians. Because they'd think, oh, wow, I, I like the Bible. I read it and think, oh, that's my favourite passage. Then I read the next one. But we'll, we'll help you with that, Steve, because that's really what it's about. Um, you know, there, there's so many beautiful stories. And just to sit down and have a hunger and say, God, speak to me. Okay, so we'll help you on that one. Okay, any other thoughts? Because when we do these cafe churches, I want you to have opportunity to ask questions. Absolutely. Hang on to that. The good part is like driving a car. You've got this little reflex, this little mirror. You look in that to see what's behind you, but you don't drive by that. Same thing. 
great stuff, okay? Which was that? Isaiah, yeah, they're Isaiah. Um, yeah, they're up. They got them. Yeah, the Isaiah ones. Yes, the one. You know the thing that I love about the Isaiah. And I didn't go back to those. Um, one of the things that God says, "I will forgive your sin." God doesn't forget our sin. I think this, this is an interesting, because what God says. I will remember your sin no more. That's a bit different from forgetting, isn't it? It's like God says, when you give him the sin and you confess it, he says, I will take your sin and I will put it behind me and I'll never look at it again. Isn't that fantastic? Okay, we'll check. We'll check with our, our from that one. But the thing is, as I look at the Isaiah, one of the things it says to us that when we confess our sins, God takes our sins and He buries them in the depths of the sea, and then He puts up a sign: "No fishing allowed." You see, we've got to leave it there. We've got to leave it there, and that's the challenge for us. Okay. So that's, that's great to be able to do that. But I love that Isaiah, those verses there. Well, folks, thanks for coming. Are we going to sing something? Thanks, JL. Um, we're going to sing This Is My Desire. And in um, all my years of living, I've learned that declaring things over your life is actually really impactful and really makes a difference. And um, in just this verse where it says, This is my desire to honour you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. And just even if you don't feel like you want to honour God all the time, if we just declare and ask God to make that our desire, even if it's not naturally our desire, if we ask Him and pray for that to be our desire, I have no doubt that God will do that. So we're going to sing.
The team have got another couple of songs uh, that they'd love to share with you guys. And uh, you're welcome to stick around and be a part of that. Um, if you want to grab another coffee, if you want to continue um, eating off the table back there, please eat. <laughs> um, there's a few things that I just wanted to share with you. If you want to take a seat for just a second, I don't, don't want you to feel awkward or hurt your legs. I don't know what that's about, but anyway. <laughs> Let's just do <laughs> uh, there's a couple of things I just want to share with you. Um, if you are new here this evening, uh, we extend a huge big welcome to you. Thank you for choosing to be here tonight. We know that you could have been anywhere, um, but I absolutely, I keep saying this and I absolutely believe there are no mistakes in who's actually in this room. And there's no mistakes for anybody that walked in that door and that has been here tonight. And Lionel, wow loved what you had to share tonight absolutely loved it incredible and look we want to make living life with God really practical we want to make it um, accessible we want to give you guys the opportunity to ask questions when you've got questions like where do you start to read in the Bible I didn't know either <laughs> no idea and I asked somebody the same question funnily enough I got told Mark too and that was some years ago um, we want to make that happen here and we want to make it a comfortable place for you guys to ask those questions no matter where you're at in your relationship and understanding and experience of God. We can all learn off of one another. If you are new here this evening, if you want to know any more about what this church does, who we are, if you want to just grab myself, Joe, who's on keys, we also have a desk at the back called Access Point. You're welcome to come along and hover around there and somebody will come along and have a chat with you if you've got questions please don't hesitate to do that if you have prayer requests that you want to share with us we do have a connection card and I'm just going to grab this one right here if you want to share a prayer request you can do that if you're new here and want to register your details so that we we would love to give you a call during the week just to touch base and say hey so what did you think of that band that played on Sunday night <laughs> Uh, hey, what did you think of that food or that coffee, all of that stuff? Please do that. That's a really great opportunity for you to do that. What I'd ask is, if you want to, we can make sure that these are available for you. And I'd just ask you to come ahead, come along, fill it out, come along and stick it in this bucket right here. There are a couple of things that I want to let you know. We are doing Cafe Church again next week. Lionel's going to be bringing um, an extension on what he's moving forward on what he's talked about tonight Moses Moses I got given this little piece of paper right here and this is to go into offering tonight and that was from Bella 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 drew this picture for me and Abby came up to me and she said that's Moses And inside is a gift of some money to go in the offering tonight, which leads me to our next thing, our offering. I'm going to do that a little differently tonight. Normally, we would hand around a bucket and say, hey, if you want to give, give. If you are new here again, please don't feel any obligation. But if this is your home church and you want to give to the offering tonight or you just want to give, we've got two buckets that are going to be sitting at either side of the stage. And just during the next little while, as we begin to uh, wrap up, we continue with some great music. If you feel led to come and make that offering as an act of, hey, God, thank you for the way that you've worked in my life, the way that you're leading me, the way that you're drawing me, 
feel free to do that. No pressure, but it's open there for you to do. We'd really encourage you to check out our website for more details on what's happening at Axis. And if you have any questions at all about things that you can get involved in, please stop by that desk at the back of the church and we'll have a great chat with you. For tonight, let's enjoy the last couple of songs. Again, have something to eat, have some coffee. Fantastic to have you all here. Please make sure you come along next week. Same time, 6 o'clock, same bat channel.